just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries, and potentially disastrous diagnoses. After a little break, we are back. And today, I got to sit down with Logan Donnelly to talk about all things infertility, including his diagnosis of secondary hypogonadism. In this episode, Logan talks about his diagnosis, the decisions he made in regards to treatment, how wildly different specialists' opinions can be, why he poured so much time and energy into becoming an expert, and what motivated him to keep on trying even though a lot of people were saying it wouldn't be possible. I mentioned this at the beginning of the interview, but male infertility is something I really didn't know a lot about, so I really appreciated Logan taking time to share his story with me, and in turn, with all of you as well. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Logan, thank you so much for joining me on That's So Chronic today. I'm really excited to chat to you and learn more from you because what we're talking about today is something that I think a lot of people aren't really talking about or society isn't really talking about. I know that's definitely in my little internet bubble, I hadn't come across the condition that we're talking about today. We are talking about secondary hypogonadism. Was my how was my pronunciation? I've been practicing it. Pretty good, yeah. Hypogonadism, yeah. But um, but I think <laughs> the Americans say gonad, so I, I think British maybe you had it. <laughs> Amazing! Yeah. It's a condition where the body doesn't produce enough of the hormone testosterone. So I, not gonna lie to you, don't know a lot about all of this, and I'm really excited and thankful that you could be here today. So sure. thank you so much. No worries. I feel like we've got quite a lot to talk about, so. Let's rewind all the way back to 2016 when you're 21. Tell us what life looks like for you then. How did all of this start? Yeah, sure. I have to be um, completely candid about it to go in. So yeah, I'll just, I'll go in straight away with it. Um, I would yeah, just say that anything I say is just my own personal yeah. experience. I'm not a medical practitioner, any of that stuff, because yeah, a bit of a journey. Yeah, so now when I was 21, probably before that as well, but um, I was getting quite a bit of erectile dysfunction, which as a 21-year-old was like not great. Yeah. And that was causing quite a bit of anxiety as well. But then also just like really tired, like every day needing naps. Like I'd literally, I was at Polytech at the time and I'd come home three o'clock and nap till like six. It was just yeah. all the time. Um, and I, I didn't want to go to the doctor because I guess it's just sort of a guy thing. I don't know. But yeah, my wife was studying, or she just finished and had just become a nurse at the time. And she was like, you need to go, something's wrong. And yeah, I guess again, it's like the erectile dysfunction stuff as a guy, a young guy, that's super hard yeah. to talk about, you know? And so I've broken through that now so I can talk about it. But um, yeah, at the time that was really tricky. But yeah, so then I went to the, to the GP, they ran some bloods. I think they did a few different things at the time. Yeah, after the bloods came back, that's when we saw my testosterone was low. It was pulsing kind of, which is basically, do you mind if I jump into like a little hormone? Yeah, go for it. So, 
Cool. So like the way testosterone works in guys is that overnight when you sleep, the brain detects that it's been lowered from the day and it sends out a signal um, from the pituitary gland down to the testes that says, make testosterone, we're low. Yeah. And then guys wake up in the morning with super high testosterone. Okay. And that's like uh, what morning wood is, the, uh, yeah. especially like 16-year-old boner in the morning, that's because <laughs> yeah. you're full of testosterone. And then oh, wow. yeah, throughout the day, it, it progressively gets lower and lower. Uh, if you didn't sleep well that night, then you didn't make as much testosterone. Uh, if you had something like beer and got drunk, there's another thing as well because of estrogen. But yeah, then you've interfered with that process. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's how it works. And so what my pituitary gland was doing was it would not do that cycle at nighttime. Right. So it wasn't picking up on it. And then the testosterone would get almost all the way down to nothing. And then it would be like, oh, no, we have no testosterone. And it was sending too much of a signal. And then I get a huge yeah. spike and then crash again which uh, for every day was like moodiness and stuff like that because you're up and down, up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of the result at that time. But then we kept checking the bloods over time every month and it was tracking down. So those big surges were coming less and less and it was just sort of, doo -doo 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 -doo, yeah, going yeah. down. And is that when you got the name for everything that was going on yeah and that was actually quite um quite a good thing in that sense of like oh it's not I because I remember at the time thinking I was just really lazy I was like I'm just yeah. lazy like oh you're such a piece of shit why are you always so tired like what's going on yeah. you know all that sort of talk you do and especially when you're comparing yourself to other people mm. in a similar age and you're like how come they can like go and do all this stuff and then go to the pub and then wake up in the Absolutely. morning and go to work and do this yeah yeah, yeah. Yes, I think, um, and I'm sure like many people on your podcast, like when you actually get something defined like that, it's a real like relief because you're, ah, oh, it's not me. <laughs> it's a thing that's happening to me. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was definitely a big one. Was there treatment that they could offer you at that point? Like once you'd been diagnosed, was it like, okay, this is what's happening to you and these are the side effects. Can we, can they treat that? So I think um, if you're like, say, post 40, they go straight into treatment. But when you are like my okay. age, they first off, they're like, how much are you drinking? Are you smoking cigarettes? What's your diet? Are you exercising? So they'll do all of those first. So that was kind of yep. the path I went on of like getting the right vitamins, zinc, magnesium, all those fun ones that, yep. um, yeah, and getting enough exercise, eating well uh, to see if there's any improvement. So yeah, that was kind of, the way it went so I, I got sent off for a MRI early on because they were trying to work out what's going wrong and then I had when I was six years old I had a really bad head injury where I split my head open oh, yeah nice. messed with all my coordination and stuff but I, I got past it all good but then when I was about 17 18 I was in a car crash and um it was yeah a big head injury from that as well and they think maybe at that time coinciding with the one when I was younger yeah had potentially caused some damage okay but anyway after the um MRI they found the pituitary gland the one that's in charge of regulating hormones it normally faces like straight up mm -hmm. and it was sort of like sideways and pushed down oh, wow it wasn't causing like enough of an issue to like try and get in there it's in the middle anyway I don't think you can even really mess with the pituitary but yeah they'll like, yeah that's that's probably what's going on is that your pituitary gland is damaged in some way yeah. um so that that secondary hypogonadism so there's two types there's primary that first one and secondary so primary is um if your testicles have been damaged from an injury or something like that mm -hmm. then the signal's still working but then yeah. when the testes go to make it they can't because they're yeah. 
damaged, whatever. And then secondary, funnily enough, you think it'd probably be primary, but your secondary is the pituitary gland. Something's gone wrong in that spot and that's what's not working. So the testes are fine, but something in the feedback loop is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Who is the person that you go to for all of this? What would what would the specialist be? Um, so that's the funny thing in New Zealand. We don't have dedicated like men's health. Okay. So I got chucked around between endocrinologists, urologists, and just GPs of uh, yeah. passive interest. <laughs> wow. So um, yeah, it's not really because the urologist would sort of look after prostate and testicular. Yeah. And then the endocrinologist looks after more hormonal but more towards diabetes in New Zealand rather right. than uh, men's you know, hormones. So there isn't really a niche in New Zealand for that. It's We don't have a men's hormone doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what were the next steps moving forward? What was going to be the plan of attack? Yeah. So then after the MRI, or first off, I sort of tried to, like I said, I'd already done those approaches of eating yeah. a bit better and stuff like that. Had eased into that. Um, and then after the MRI, I met an endocrinologist. She was really good. I, I never saw her again. And it's such a bummer because she was amazing compared to, I, I had a couple of other ones after and they were not, yeah. not great. But anyway, yeah, she basically said, hey, you're trending down. It's more than likely going to continue. You can go on testosterone replacement where we inject it or put creams on to try and mm -hmm. start testosterone. But the big catch is that for the majority of men, once you start that treatment, I'll probably have to get into this a bit later, but um, once you start that treatment, you lose your fertility. So your right. sperm drops drastically. And like my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, but we've been together since we're like 16. Um, so we're together about five years at this point. Both want kids. So it's like, well, yeah. I can't do that option. That's not going to work, is it? So yeah, I said, basically, no thanks. What can I do besides that? And that was when I like ate quite strictly. Um, I yeah. started keto back then before keto was really a thing and it was quite hard yeah. <laughs> just to try and um, cause like insulin spikes, uh, there's some literature that links it to hormonal change. So if you don't have yeah. insulin spike, maybe that was going to help. It didn't really, yeah. but yeah. So I tried to do that for like three years. I gave that a shot Yeah. and it was like, cause of the sort of pulses of it, I would still, I'd have some good times Yeah. and then I'd have some badder ones. Um, I got prescribed Viagra at the time. Um, which kind of like, it was like, oh, cool. Like, I don't have like erectile dysfunction anymore, but it hasn't really fixed the problem. I'm still tired. Yeah. And like, even like the libido aspect, like the actual drive, yeah. that doesn't, you're literally just making blood flow. You're not yeah, yeah starting that part. Yeah. So um, that was quite a tricky time, really. And I guess this is quite a lot to go through at any age, but let alone at 21, when you're just sort of starting adulthood, how did that feel? Like, did you have anyone else in your life who you knew was going through something similar? I ended up making a friend years later that was going through the same thing. But at the time, I was pretty much completely alone with it. Yeah. And I hadn't got fully open about even talking about it with anyone. So it was really just me and my or girlfriend at the time like now yeah. yeah that that I had um actually yeah I did get quite depressed at the time and I even went on um SSRIs for about a year just to sort of get my head back into yeah. and and I even now just talk about this I didn't even link I was just like oh yeah I hit a real low point at that time and didn't even think oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot to try and process like yes you can get fixed but you'll lose your chance to have babies forever yeah. No, I can't do that. So I'm just going to stay like this and get progressively more miserable, you know? Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So you mentioned you did this for a couple of years and then things weren't really getting better. Talk us through what happened then. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much, I think I was, I was about 21 when we started and around mm -hmm. 24, it's getting worse and worse to the point where, okay, it's not working. And then I sort of got obsessive at that point of like, I'm just going to try and learn everything I can. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a way to like keep your fertility? What's happening? How does the treatment work and everything? Yeah, I did that for a long time of just consuming all the content there was. At this point at, at 24, so the range for like testosterone in men is 9 mol to 30. So 9 to 30 okay. is the spectrum. And like a 16-year-old is like 30, basically, or 27 right. to yep. 30. And then a 65-year-old man is like 9. So that's the bottom. Okay. And I was a 5 consistently. So I was like below. Wow. Yeah, so I was like a geriatric, I don't know, like an 80-year-old. Yeah. There's no testosterone <laughs> flowing, yeah. Um, wow. Like for, for another context, um, the I can't remember her name, but there was a sportswoman that tested with high testosterone naturally, and they kicked her yeah. out of the games. And she was testing at a seven, so she is an Olympian wow. had like more testosterone than I was having. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't going very good in that sense. So it was um, yeah, that it wasn't great. Yeah. So then from there, I started kind of looking at what my options were and then saw that or well, one was I could just go freeze my sperm yeah, and we could do the IVF IUI approach. Mm -hmm. So that was initially what I did okay. where I, or well, I was actually, there was even a little bit of a, do we go do that? Because sometimes with the pituitary stuff, it means that the signal for sperm isn't happening as well. Right. And yeah, so then it was like a Pandora's box of like, oh, do I want to know what it is? Yeah. You know? Um, Cause that's going to be depressing but yeah i think by like 24 as well i was probably more grounded of yeah. like we're going to need to know so let's go find out yeah but then luckily uh sperm came back good like uh above average and i was like yes you know it's um yeah so that worked out really well is that a free service are you like do you have to pay to go and do that so i got it yeah my gp sorted it through path lab under okay. the secondary hypogonadism so the actual testing of sperm is free but to freeze it is private there's nothing okay. free in new zealand so for that i had to go to a company called fertility associates in hamilton but like that doesn't they don't just let you go you have to like have a consultation about right. why i think it took two consults and then going over and actually freezing and they're yeah. quite a pricey company because they do all the ivf and stuff like that yeah yeah and even they were more they're more for women's south in men's health or women's fertility i should say yeah they just have the storage facilities for you know helping women get pregnant later on or right, whatever yeah. yeah so it just it worked out though um but yeah so then i had to go over to hamilton and go put what are you put my sample in a cup how long do they keep that for like such a random question but like oh, how, yeah, yeah. what is the process like how long is it just going to be kept in these freezes yeah yeah so there are um, like prior storage i think it's like 50 years i wow. think they can even push it past that and there's like generator of generator backups and they you Whoa. sign a thing that um i think it's like you get a million dollars if it spoils if they can't use it yeah there's actually quite a bit of legal stuff too because like if you die you have to sign off a thing does it get destroyed does it go to your partner if it goes to your yeah. partner are they allowed to use it um yeah you wow. know you're not around but you could still have another baby of your genes yeah so all of that stuff was actually quite interesting just to learn about like oh okay yeah, then, yeah. and something that's just like is it do doesn't come up 
in day-to-day conversation, I guess. Like mm. we don't learn about anything like that at school. Yeah. So it's quite a lot to have to like process and learn about. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's not really talked about like men's, men's fertility. Even now, I still don't think it's really acknowledged or talked about. It's really woman yeah. fertility in New Zealand. Well, it's such a big sign that there isn't even a specialist yeah. that you can go to to help with all of this. Yeah. And then what happens? Do you at this point reconsider starting that hormone replacement therapy? Yeah. So at this point, um, I've looked into, yeah, how testosterone replacement works, realized I just have to do it or I'm probably going to end up yeah. completely depressed and, you know, whatever, going down that path. Yeah. So yeah, the, the freezing the sperm, it was good to have it and then know we have this insurance policy. Yeah. And at this point in time, I think going on testosterone means I'm completely infertile and there's no option. I haven't found anything else yet. Yeah. Oh, I should probably, yes, I'll go into the science real quick on why it makes you infertile. As this is obviously a higher level, not super scientific, but relatively. So that, like I was saying before, the pituitary gland sends the signal to make testosterone, but that same sending signal, it's it's a thing called luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. Those are the two things that say testes, make um, make testosterone. But that same signal also says make sperm. And this was what my worry was about having low sperm count before I even started treatment, because they're like, they're two different signals, but they go together. But then if you start taking testosterone replacement, then you're essentially, for me, I inject it. You can take cream, but yeah, when you inject it, you're then the brain, the pituitary is saying, do we need to make testosterone? And then it yeah, goes, it's oh, no, it's, yeah, it's already there. It's been put in exogen- exogenously from the outside. So the brain says, oh, no, no, we've got plenty. I haven't said the signal. But then because those two go together, the sperm yeah. one doesn't get sent. It never gets sent down. So the testes, even if they function fine, they never receive anything to say make sperm. So after about three months, they literally, they atrophy and start to get smaller. Um, it's why yeah. you, there's always a sort of talk of um, bodybuilders with steroids um, and how, I, I don't know if it's still commonplace, but um, they've got like little balls uh, as like a kind of yeah. joke. The reason is because they pump massive amounts of testosterone. And so their balls, their testicles atrophy because they're, they're not yeah. getting that signal. So bodybuilders are infertile while they take their treatment, but then yeah. they, they bodybuilders normally only do treatment for about three months. I learned heaps about that because they were one of the biggest sources of people taking testosterone all the time because yeah. there is so little on men's health. They were the like best people to actually yeah. read about, even though they were doing massive doses compared to me. But yeah, that's the thing is that they stop. So another caveat is once you start testosterone replacement and you start that, cycle basically you pretty much can't stop for life so that was another thing because if you take that testosterone away the signal it does eventually come back but because mine was so weak anyway it'll get even weaker okay so yeah it's like if you start this you're in it um again yeah at 21 I, i wasn't ready to handle that and at 24 i was just like just ready to kind of handle it yeah and even just injecting needles I wasn't a huge needle fan and that was like I don't want to do that like yeah. so yeah. how often are you having to inject yourself with this treatment yeah so so that was a process as well so um I went back to the endocrinologist at 24 and the lovely lady I spoke of she was gone and it was this um fella that was like nah if you're low testosterone then that's that's what nature's given to you pretty much and it was like oh my gosh like are you serious? Um, anyway, the only one he was willing to do 
after he wanted it to go like lower consistently i had at this point i've got like three years of bloods every three months yeah. and he wanted another three months of every like two weeks to prove it was always low because i had those bursts when i was younger of high yeah he was like look back here two years ago you were high here so you don't need treatment and it was like oh, oh um and, and fairness i get that um there's probably a case to be made that if he gives me treatment and i become permanently infertile and there was some other option that he's risked his own you know medical yeah. license so, so i can i can kind of understand in retrospect but at the time it was like he, i finally like come to terms with this and now yeah. you're like making this even harder and so bizarre that like two endocrinologists can have two very different like oh approaches. yeah well this i went on after seeing this dude i then went and saw a private endocrinologist who again but the different things i got throughout going around different um specialists huge variance is crazy yeah so the next one i went and saw he's happy for me to start treatment but he wanted me to take um it's called reandron which is like a how do I explain it? It's like a huge dose of testosterone that you chuck right. on someone and then it's meant to last three months Okay. and then you do another one. But the downside is it doesn't really work that way. Instead, if we use that um, spectrum before of the nine to 30, uh, you, you go to 60 and then you drop, 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 drop. And then by the three month mark, you're back at like five. Right, <laughs> so it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. And at this point I'd already researched how it all works and everything and heard the horror stories i mean like you hear a guys like when they're dropping after being so high to drop like yeah. contemplating suicide and stuff you know it's it's a huge it's too much yeah so yeah i was like no i don't want to do that um and then so then i kept looking found a urologist who was at least a bit better and then i went on sustenin 250 which is another type of testosterone this one it's uh, in new zealand our guidelines are once every three weeks with still quite a big dose, but not nearly as high. You'd go to like, say, a 35. So you're okay. still going a bit too high and then you drop, drop, drop. Yeah. But I was like, oh, well, that's, that's better. So then yeah. I did that knowing that. So oh, for context and say the States, the dosing of that drug is twice a week. So right. yeah, but at a smaller dose. So rather than yeah. the full one mil, the 250 mgs of it, they give you like 75 twice a week. Um, okay. and, and that keeps you consistent rather than peaks and troughs peaks and troughs yeah yeah so sorry that was quite a bit of <laughs> no it's of really interesting and how did you find the treatment when you finally started yeah so i i remember the very first time even just trying to because you have to inject in like your leg or your butt yeah basically are the places and that took me ages like uh, i think even once i'd done my first one i kept asking my wife to do it because she's a nurse i was gonna say did you really cash in on having a wife yeah. that's a nurse <laughs> i mean it's like not practical sometimes you know um yeah. yeah but yeah no the my first year she helped me a lot with my injections but no it, it was really cool and that the or oh, it just started everything started to come back after about two months it took yeah. a little while but being like have my libido back and yeah. I was starting to have energy again yeah. the only thing was with that dosing the first week was great the second week was average the third week I was back to what I was like <laughs> it was like this weird oh I'm good and no I'm not that good and oh my gosh I'm just yeah ruined yeah and and from that I was lucky in that because I had been so obsessive I knew how the blood work worked and then I had a really good GP who even though he didn't prescribe me, he was quite interested and he like issued a thing so I could do bloods every couple of days. 
which is okay. super irregular because um, it, it's a bit of money to do bloods all the time. Yeah. But in doing that, then I could go to the urologist and be like, look, I'm 35 here. And then by the end, I'm a five. Can we change this dosing? And yeah. then we moved it to two weeks and then we moved it to one week. Which Amazing. Was like, awesome. Yeah. And then those peaks and troughs sort of evened out oh, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So now I dose three times a week, which is quite regular, but yep. they're for that range, I range between 24 to 26 every time I do bloods. It's stable Amazing. and I can feel it, you know, I can feel yep. that difference, which is super cool. The, the downside was um, I'm finally feeling good, which is awesome. And then at three months, I was like, oh, I should probably go check my fertility Yeah. to see yeah, what, what that's like. And it was like, I was expecting, so I think beforehand I was 330 million sperm. The range for sperm is like, I think it's 50 to 400 million. So 50 okay. million is the bare minimum for like fertility. Yeah. So if you've got 50 million, you you might be able to get some pregnant, maybe not. You might need some help. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, okay, I'm probably going to be in that like 50 to 100. And I was at three months, zero, none, nothing at all. It was like, oh nothing. man, nothing, just gone. Not a hope. No, wow. no, um, yeah, couldn't, nothing to work with. No chance. The ultimate contraceptive. What were you before you started treatment again? So 330 million. So on the, the higher range. Yeah. It's like wow. crazy. Was that um, quite confronting to see that? Yeah. Number? Well, I think that made it real. And then like quite a few tears with me and my partner of like, wow, it's yeah. never going to happen naturally for us. We're going to have to do IVF or IUI. Like it's going to be the only way, which sucked. But then that fueled me of like, oh there's got to be something yeah, out there yeah yeah what what do the guys do when they have low sperm counts you know like yeah. there's what do they do when they're the 50 million how do you make it work yeah and then so i started looking into that and um in new zealand at the time anyway which i think was like 2018 yeah around 2018 and up until 2020 there's nothing for male fertility in New Zealand. So all fertility drugs are based on getting women's fertility high. So if, if say, um, the situation is a guy has a low sperm count, say the 50 million, and yeah. then the woman has normal fertility, they'll pump the woman full of fertility drugs to increase her fertility to try and get some of his swimmers to make it. There's nothing in New Zealand for male fertility at all. It's insane. Like, it's what? They that seems really strange to yeah. me. Like, why? I think that the as it's just like with contraceptives, there isn't as many yeah. studies on male fertility drugs. Like, they haven't focused on that. Yeah. And then because there isn't as many, New Zealand isn't as open to using it that way. Because um, there are like there's plenty of wow. fertility drugs, especially in America. They have well, they have so many more drugs than we do, but they're private, so kind of makes sense. But UK as well, they have fertility drugs for men in these countries but not new zealand and australia has like in very certain circumstances can you use them which is crazy did you start advocating and try and find a way to make this happen yeah yeah so then i i joined a bunch of testosterone groups once i started treatment and then i started chucking out because i sometimes people would post pictures with their newborn yeah and i'm like how did you do that yeah, <laughs> yeah tell me everything cool. yeah 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 and then, then I found out, like, um, mainly the States was the best source for me. UK was okay, because I, I still follow a few groups in that, but America was just like, they, they figured it out. You spend the money, they'll get you fertile again. Yeah, um, wow. So they use, there's two drugs over there. One's HCG, 
which is, oh, I've got to remember now, it's actual name, human chorionic gonadotropin, okay. for which we do use in New Zealand, but we use for women. Um, okay. And then another one is called HMG, which is human menopausal gonadotropin. The context HCG comes from, weirdly enough, it comes from the urine of pregnant women. Okay. And it's what, when you do a pregnancy test, that it's looking for HCG because HCG yeah. spikes. Yeah. But they give it to women and men, but women mainly, it stimulates the ovaries to produce. So if a woman hasn't got very good fertility, she'll start HCG treatment. And that's the, the standard one. And it's, uh, it's given, you do it subcutaneously. So in the stomach, you inject it every couple of days or well, it depends on the protocol but yeah and then hmg is pretty much the same thing but it's like super concentrated and it's really expensive like um per vial it's like a thousand dollars in the states new zealand yeah. it's not even we don't have it available yeah. completely yeah can't get it but yeah so then i started well first i went to my urologist and asked hey can i do this hcg stuff yeah and then he was like no that that's a woman fertility drug we don't do it. And I was like, And you're oh. like, here, here is all of the research. So then, then I got like, yeah, I, I went and got like literally every clinical trial, all the different yeah. things. I have, I've still got this like little book that's just full of all of them, of all the highlights. And I still brought that to him. And then he's like, no, look, like NZ formulary that has all the rules, woman only. Oh man, um, yeah, and so that was super disappointing. Uh, and then I, it took me quite a few doctors to try and get. I tried, I tried my GP who was great with all the bloods. I thought maybe he could. He wasn't willing to risk it for something he doesn't know well. Which again, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Yeah, and then I literally just started kind of shopping doctors around. I found I became good friends with a guy that was also on testosterone replacement. Yeah, funnily enough, my one of my good friends at uni. I told her all about what was happening when I started treatment. And she was like, oh, I've got a friend in um, England that does the same thing, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out to be, um, it wasn't England, it was her boyfriend. Um, oh, she didn't, right. he's, he's a real private guy. And um, yeah, he was a bit older. So I think he was about 10 years older than I was and she was. And he'd been doing treatment for 10 years, all on his own. Wow. And hadn't even joined like the online sort of forums or anything. So had just been following that three weekly dose the whole time and had accepted at the time that he was infertile that was the deal and he just completely shut the door on that but the positive was I was like oh who's your doctor that gave you your testosterone replacement and then I went to his doctor with all my studies and he was like yeah no I see what you're saying we'll try it out it's like, yes <laughs> yeah so um, wow. that was awesome just to finally because I think by then it was like my fourth specialist that I'd gone to and like specialists are expensive man like yeah. some are 250 some are like 700 bucks and like I was a student yeah. at the time just like trying to become a teacher and working yeah. some part-time side hustles every time I'd like have to save up to go see one of these people and then yeah. they say no and it's like give me my money back <laughs> you know? like, just, yeah. Oh. yeah and so you eventually get someone to say yes and you start the HCG? Yeah, so yeah, from there, it's funny because my friend who I uh, used as doctor, he was like, it's never going to work. It doesn't work, man. You can't you can't get it back. And he was complete denial of it. Yeah. So yeah, at this point, I think we just started building a house, which was one of my like prerequisites before. I, I was originally just trying to find an option. So it was like a slow burn of, could I, is there a drug? Yeah. How do I get it? And then I think all within a short amount of time, I got the drugs and then I just sort of, they have to be kept refrigerated. So I just, 
built up like a supply, um, but hadn't started them. Yeah. And then we landed a build, it was a Kiwi build. And then that was kind of like, my wife was like, you always said, we get a house, then we're going to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but then, yeah, that was its own journey because for some reason, like injecting in the like quad but wasn't too bad. But the in the stomach was really quite hard for me to um, come to terms with. And the actual HCG stings as well. So you have to like pinch and put it in and kind of burns. Yeah. And um, the dosing is like every 48 hours you have to have it to get that signal. It has to kind of mimic the signal that would happen organically every night. So, I mean, even yeah. every 24 hours would have been better, but um, 48 was the realistic. Wow. But yeah, I started taking it, but the the problem, I guess problem, is that because HCG is from women, it sends, so it sends yeah. the signal, uh, it's not actual, um, so the hormone it's mimicking is called luteinizing hormone, the one I was talking about earlier, but it's mimicking it. It's not the exact, it just sends a very similar signal. So it goes to the testes and it says, hey, you should make some sperm. But once it's done its job, it aromatizes, which means that it turns into estrogen. So then I'm getting these yeah. big spikes in estrogen of like of woman level wow. estrogen. And I have high testosterone yeah. for my dosing. So I have these two competing hormones. So then I get like real bloated. Yeah. Um, I get basically I get PMS. So I get this huge spike of hormones. Yeah. So yeah, I'm bloated. I'm really emotional. You know, I like yeah. you're watching a movie and I start watery eyes and then irrationally grumpy yeah. and I can't control it which was like a great way for empathy to understand, you know, it was, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember cause like, I'm quite, I like mental health definitely a big thing for me. And I like meditate, do yoga. I always have these sort of routines and I was pretty good up until this point of regulating myself. And then I start this treatment and I just can't get a hold of it. Like I can't handle, I know I was um, in my last year of uni and I was teaching intermediate kids and you know like intermediate kids can be quite mean and they would just say something and i'd have to like turn because my eyes would just start watering of like and it's like come on man like pull yourself together what's going on but i just i couldn't um yeah i couldn't get it under control yeah. which was yeah crazy and i remember it, i think it was about a month i was saying to charlie my wife i was just like i don't know if i can do this like i genuinely because it, it was it's like pms yeah. but constant it didn't stop it was just the whole time yeah yeah which was oh I was like do I lower the dose what do I do but yeah I just pushed through in about six weeks I guess my body started to figure it out because the side effects went way down and started to finally level okay oh phew <laughs> it was um I also like that was when I learned a lot about estrogen and learned like like beer also aromatizes to estrogen soy milk there's also basically anything they recommend for breastfeeding they don't recommend beer but you know soy milk and all those things it's because it aromatizes to estrogen so um, yeah yeah again i learned all sorts estrogen and prolactin link anyway yeah so then i i like got really strict of like i'm not going to drink any alcohol yeah i'm not going to do anything that has any estrogenic properties and that helped as well so um yeah yeah it leveled out a lot which was awesome and what was the plan of attack because i'm remembering that you've still got sperm frozen mm. somewhere you're trying this treatment how long were you giving yourself until you were like okay what everyone is saying what my mate is saying what the doctors are saying okay it's not gonna work like what was your plan of attack yeah so like from all my sort of studies into the clinical trials and everything i saw that by 12 months to 18 
18 okay. months, but roughly 12, it's ever going to work or not. Okay. So the plan was to, so in all the studies, they get the guys to, um, or a lot of them, they would stop the testosterone replacement and just do the HCG. Right. But I know if I did that, then I'm going to be back in the situation yeah. of like 24 year old feeling awful. So yeah, the original plan was 12 months of both at the same time. And then if that didn't work, I would drop the testosterone and just do the HCG, okay. but I would feel awful and probably yeah. wouldn't even be able to work very well. Like I'd just be too. And then if that didn't work, then it was, okay, we'll try the frozen sperm. Okay. The problem with the frozen sperm is like IVF, if you've been trying for five years to have a baby, New Zealand will fund one cycle. So one IVF treatment. Right. And I qualified for that because of being like, clinically infertile but after that it's ten thousand bucks a pop um which wow. like we did not have 10 grand yeah and like it might not actually work on the first time either oh, it, it, and most of the time it doesn't like yeah. study wise it's um unless everything lines up perfect i think it's like three or four is the average so you're looking yeah, at like wow. you know 30 grand yeah so yeah obviously we're like oh man i hope the hcg works i hope yeah all this stuff i've read online you know whenever you read things online you are like yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't think there was really a precedent for it in New Zealand. So it was like, oh, God, yeah. is this actually going to, yeah, we're putting a lot of hope on it. Speaking of money, did you, how was the HCG? Was that funded or did you have to pay for that? It's um, So it wasn't funded, but it wasn't too bad. I think it was 80 bucks for three vials, which would last okay. me basically three weeks. It wasn't terrible. Um, like the frozen sperm, I think, is like uh, 150, 200 every six months. But yeah, all these different costs. Or you, I had to keep going and seeing the specialist while I'm doing the treatment. Yeah. So he could keep track. And I think he was like 300 bucks a pot. So it did all um, stack up. And we just chucked it on overdraft and credit cards, yeah. to be honest. We, we didn't have the money. And it was like, oh, well, we'll figure it out. So yeah, we did it. It's probably not the best way <laughs> to go about it. But yeah. You do what you can do. Okay, so you've got this plan. Where are we in the timeline? Like, when do we get to check and see what the sperm count is? Yeah, so I think I'll just check. Like I said, it's so funny because of, well, oh, side note, it works out and I've got a bubba. Yeah, so, spoiler. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because of that, it's everything time is such a yeah. mess. Oh, yeah, so I've actually got one of the studies written down. So, yeah, 80% of men on hormone replacement regain fertility within 18 months yeah. um, using HCG. And then a non-hormonal replacement men. So standard guys, if they take it, it tends to double sperm count, but it lowers their natural testosterone because they're sending a signal, just like the testosterone yeah. does, it lowers their test. So it's like a trade-off of they'll get more fertility, but they'll start to experience what I did yeah. originally. Yeah, just as a side note for anyone that's out there that maybe is normal testosterone but has low fertility, one other caveat, I guess, is that HCG only works provided your testes aren't damaged. So um, yep. if anything's wrong with that, if that was the reason why someone had low sperm to begin with, then um, HCG won't work, unfortunately. But that's just yep. yeah, how it goes. Oh, actually, another side note I just thought of is that most of the people that have hypogonadism, secondary one I have, especially like young guys because it tends to be more older guys it's from head injuries like i had yeah. so rugby players in new wow. zealand i bet you there's a bunch like the my friend that i was talking about earlier his was from a yeah. rugby concussion and then like in america why there's such a big industry is like and they wear helmets but all their yeah. football players wow. um which there's a lot of things in the media now about tbi traumatic brain injury 
in these sports and every time I hear about it boxes as well yeah. any kind of knock to the head you're risking that pituitary gland yeah which is then you're yeah, risking having low testosterone yeah. and having to do this whole game yeah which is sorry that's a little tangent but yeah I just remembered yeah that I wanted to um, bring that up um yeah so and so it was November 2020 I started so I must have been 26 I guess yeah mm -hmm. and then let's see in late December I went and did the first sperm count so about three months of treatment okay that's when I was like because I didn't want to do it too soon yeah. because I didn't want to like be like oh no it didn't work you know and yeah I'm working on a, a 12 month yeah. schedule of hopefully something happens in 12 months yeah so then went to go do one and it wasn't, I wasn't fertile or anything, but there was 1 million sperm. So remember the range is 50 to 300. Yeah. So I'm not there, but there's some sperm back and it's like, there is, it's, it works. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah, definitely yeah. working then. Yeah. So it was a cool like proof of concept of like, yeah, yeah something's there. They're turning back on, something's happening. Yeah. And the life cycle of sperm is 60 days. So it takes okay. uh, what I was getting there was probably the one month worth of treatment because it takes yeah. that long before you really see the progress. But yes, that was like, oh my gosh, it's it's happening. And then I'll just open up. I got a little doc for that of just my timeline. I'm glad I wrote this stuff down there eh? because I definitely would have lost yeah. it. Now it's all um yeah. Especially when numbers are in. Yeah, yeah, and like, and like <laughs> I say, being like hormonal at the time, everything yeah. gets real foggy. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, so one million's back, and it's like awesome. There's something, and then I left it again, and then in early. February I did another one and I had 40 million now so I'm not in the range but I'm like I'm definitely trending up and I'm like yeah. if I hit 50 million then I'm I'm low fertility but I am fertile so it was like yeah yes so then at that point I think I then increased my dose as well of the HCG because okay. um, I'm talking to the specialist at the time like it was cool for him too because he had a bunch of guys on testosterone that hadn't really done this fertility pathway he was of the same mindset yeah. you go on this treatment you'll lose your fertility so it was a cool like mm. back and forth we had quite a few things he'd started reading about it lots and yeah it was cool yeah. but yes yeah, so then i upped my dose and then we started tracking char my wife's ovulation cycle and all that stuff and then just trying in those windows uh which was cool it was yeah. like not getting our hopes up because um yeah i think yeah. it had been like four years or something of unprotected sex never a single risk like no pregnancy yeah. tests needed just wasn't it really was like for some people that would be amazing because it's like the dream contraceptive right like yeah actually, <laughs> i think the reason it's not given as a contraceptive or oh, as one because it's like lifelong but two if yeah. you're doing those like big three-week doses then for some people their sperm starts to come back on in the gaps of those three weeks so they're still a yeah. little bit fertile. Yeah, the more yeah. frequent you dose, the more your fertility is just going to get squished. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then it was uh, the first time of proper tracking the ovulation of like the flow app and some sticks and stuff. And then we just went at it, trying to make it happen. And then like three weeks later, Char shows me a pregnancy test and she's pregnant. And it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, which was like, it works but it's funny because instead of being stoked like you think we were both like nah can't be right it's or, or like yeah. it's enough to be a viable sperm to get there but it won't actually be 
uh, like a real one because yeah. I've just come back online. It's just a false signal. And oh, yeah, so it was a funny thing yeah. of like, um, she did like, I think 20 pregnancy tests and, and we didn't even believe she was pregnant until she went and did a blood test at the doctors. Cause, um, or like I said, like I'd increased my dose of HCG and the thing that pregnancy tests test for is HCG. We're like, oh, maybe it's like yeah. crossed over. I think that's not actually possible, yeah. but you know, like, you think these things at yeah. the time. Yeah. Did I accidentally pee on it? Like, is yeah. It you just think, yeah, maybe it's like somehow gone over. And yeah. yeah. And then um, she yeah, kept doing her bloods to show, like, I think just the kind of standard ones that showed her HCG was rising. So she definitely was pregnant. Um, but yeah, it's so funny because we've talked about it a bit now. It wasn't until like, I think like 16 weeks that we actually believed it. Because yeah. we kept being like, nah, this is yeah. like, this isn't going to actually happen. I don't know. There's such a disbelief. I think as well, yeah. when you've like kind of accepted it's never going to happen naturally. And then well, I guess like it didn't happen naturally in some sense, but for the most part it did. We didn't have to do IVF and like, yeah, yeah. it's such a weird transition to believe it. But yeah, then, then I think it's yeah. 16 weeks or 20 weeks whenever the gender scan is and we like found out she was a girl and oh my gosh it's actually happening and then like the shock of oh no it's happening like it's actually happening yeah this is crazy <laughs> um i think i stayed on the hcg until that that one because we we're like like i said we didn't believe it was going to happen and i don't want to lose the fertility if we needed yeah. to try again yeah which was a yeah such yeah. a a trip man yeah <laughs> you have a baby yeah it which happened. is it's just crazy man it's um yeah, so I, I stopped the HCG, I think, yeah, about 20 weeks. And then I think it was like a month later, I did a sperm test and it was back to zero. It was that oh, quick of like, wow. just straight away gone, um, which is like, wow, okay. Like, yes. And that's like such amazing proof that like it definitely worked yeah. going down this path. The one, I guess, a scary thing for us is that it worked this time. And I hope it works in the future. Yeah. But I've read a few people that like um, say took testosterone, they're 10 years in, and then they tried the HCG and it didn't work. Right. And it didn't work because like basically the testes never got sent a signal yeah. for so long. They just, they went home, you know. Yeah. They didn't, um... And maybe you got it at this like really perfect spot. Yeah. The and yeah. there's some like um, literature around doing some HCG like eight weeks once a year just to like right, basically yeah. tell the testes don't go away <laughs> please stay yeah. um so I'm probably about due actually to do that yeah. again but I, I haven't I, again because it's so hard that first month I'm like yeah when do I want to like give up a month of my life or two months of my life for being yeah. hyper emotional but yeah wow what an incredible story and what an incredible journey what do you think motivated you to just keep persevering and keep trying even though these people were saying no I don't think that's gonna work what was keeping you going I guess um it, it's taken me a while actually to process a lot of it and I think like there's so much guilt and like shame around and I'm sure it's the exact same for any woman that is infertile of like I'm the problem I'm the reason yeah. why this can't happen and especially for me because I like had to elect to do it you know I like I chose to go on this treatment and in doing so then I've like stolen our chance of yeah. having a family and so then you feel like and that took me quite a while to realize like that was the driving force is that I felt yeah. like I a bad person pretty much like I was like broken or something you know like that 
and then yeah so so it was probably not the best place to draw energy from but that led to me being up at you know two three in the morning sometimes just reading boring as studies about how it worked and just wrapping my head around how all the hormones work and stuff and how yeah how something like hcg works and where it is in the feedback loop and yeah i can't even thinking about it now there's no way i could dedicate that level of energy to learning about it but yeah i think mm -hmm. when it actually comes down to it i felt like quite sort of yeah shameful or something in that area and i wanted to fix it because it was my fault yeah. and i yeah. yeah i feel like for a lot of people that have any kind of infertility issue they're probably going through that same battle and like it's not their fault it just is what it is no. but you can't it's like yeah. like anything right any sort of disorder or anything like that it's not your fault but you still feel that you're the burden you're you're the reason and yeah to have one a eh, to um i don't know yeah. split that it's just it is what it is and it's not you but it feels like it's you yeah if someone's listening to this episode and they've just been diagnosed with something either the same or something similar would you have a piece of advice for them like what would you have liked to have heard someone say back in 2018 2019 when all of this is sort of coming to a head yeah. what what piece of advice would you have liked to hear that's a good question yeah i don't i think probably oh first off it took me a little while to realize that like um it, it was that experience with the endocrinologist that was pretty much like oh well too bad that i then saw the difference between two medical professionals and then being like oh they they get things wrong like they don't yeah i i think i had like before that it's hard now to reimagine but i'm pretty sure I, like if the doctor said take this then i was like oh okay i take this you know yes. and then that that like pivoted me to be like oh they, they can be wrong i need to know and so i guess like first off would be that like don't they always consult someone else and we, if you have the money or even if you don't if you can find a way go private yeah. because you get such better treatment every time i've gone private yeah. it's been even if they haven't given me what i was after such a better experience and they actually know a lot more because they tend to have specialized in this area so yeah i'd be like go private if you can always always get a second opinion like no matter what yeah. before any like big treatment try and get a second opinion and like this this one's a little tricky but like research as much as you can but i think when i was like 21 and researching and i hadn't done uni yet i was like just reading forums and stuff like like I said, the bodybuilder ones, and then they'd be like, oh, you do this dose of testosterone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. And then when I came back to it at 24, looking at it all, I was like almost finished uni, new to check credible sources. And then I'd like see see these comments on some Facebook page and be like, what's your source, bro? You know, like, what? Yeah. Cite, cite your, yeah, like, I need citations, man. Yeah. And then they're like, I need oh, some I APA 7th referencing. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then every time you'd question these kind of guys, they'd be like, oh, I saw it on YouTube. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. And then but that really helped me because I can just imagine if I had approached like a specialist with a Facebook yeah. comment or something, <laughs> like, or just yeah. saying it, like, like, I think, yeah, that's another big one, my little Bible of clinical studies. That really gets through to like, uh, not all, but some medical yeah. practitioners, if you have the studies and they are recognized, you know, like Johnson's, whatever um, yeah. studies, they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and if you come in and you know your shit, like, you know it, yeah. and they start talking like, ah, uh, nah, blah, blah, blah. Then they're like, oh, okay. Like, and that, that, that's the difference, I think, when I had that endocrinologist, it pretty much 
blew me off. I didn't have that. And I was just sort of like, oh, I don't like, but, but I need it, you know? And there was no, yeah. I didn't have the language. So I think yeah. if I could go back, I would be like, learn, like treat it, make it. Yeah. And obviously depending on whatever is going on, you might not have the energy to do that. So you got to be kind to yourself as well. I definitely burnt myself out on it. But if yeah. you can become an expert and whatever your condition is, as long as it's from credible sources, not yeah, yeah. not just internet people, because that, that's an easy one to go down. But yeah, if you can become an expert, then you know when someone's giving you prescriptions or whatever, they're like, oh, I don't know, this isn't this isn't right. Yeah. Or yes, a part of this is right, but not like with my HCG, that was from one specialist, but my testosterone was still from my original. And I didn't, you know, so I had two going at once because that guy was sweet for that. Mm -hmm. And that guy's good for that. And yeah. and you can do that. If you go private, you can do that. You can, where if you're public, yeah. nah, you know? Yeah, so I guess that would be one of my biggest ones is like research the shit out of it, like as much as you can and then find a way to go private if you can at all. If you have to go into debt, it's like I genuinely, looking back now, I remember at the time, I think at one point we were in quite a bit of debt, like a couple grand plus and that was quite like freaky but now thinking about it yeah. man like i've got a student loan of like what 20 grand or something like that and yeah. <laughs> doing this and getting this has been such a bigger life change for me that the five grand ten grand whatever of debt was so worth it that was such a worthy investment and it took me a while to yeah. like realize that and it's not until afterwards that you're like man like five grand of debt for like a better life like a, a literally better life totally worth it like nothing's going to give you that kind of return and if anyone wants any tips i have seen that you have been in some newspapers <laughs> recently sharing some budgeting advice so yeah, I'm, I'm literally processing that as well of so since when bubs came i you know like as a new dad you don't have much of a role to do yeah. my wife's breastfeeding and i've only just realized that that obsessive research of the hormones that i did yeah. I was out of control in my own life with bubs. So I was like, I'm going to cut every expense. I'm going to yeah. shop around. I'm going to write it all down and make a guide for people. And then it's ended up in the Herald and stuff, which is super yeah. cool. Yeah. But yes, yeah, like literally just this week, I was like, oh, I've done that thing again where I get obsessive. And I just went <laughs> full on. And it was unhealthy because I, I was out of control and I could control expenses. <laughs> Yeah, that's a complete yeah. side note, but yeah, that's um, <laughs> funny, yeah, you, you fall into these sort of habits of, yeah, that's a, a, it's literally the exact same toolkit of like, yeah. with that one, I was looking at every power company and every internet yeah. company and yeah. comparing everything, and yeah, I didn't, <laughs> it didn't even cross my mind that I was just doing this, the same, doing thing, exact, yeah. same thing, yeah, which is so crazy, Amazing. but um, yeah. And you've also shared a bit more of your story on the podcast Kiwi Birth Tales. So I'll also make sure that I link that in the show notes so people can go and listen to a little bit more of, I guess, the birth story. Yeah, also, yeah, that that's probably more, um, yeah, around, I cover, it'd be probably the first 15, 20 minutes would be quite yeah. similar to this, but a bit more condensed. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, the labor and yep. everything afterwards yeah. yes so again i'll put that in the show notes so that people can go and find that if they'd like to hear more from you awesome uh logan thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with everybody listening today what an incredible journey and i'm so glad that it ends with a happy ending yeah it's very cool i'm stoked <laughs> as well it's um awesome i just if i can do a little plug go i um it. just started up a little instagram called kiwi dad where i've just been trying to talk about 
or one my cost of living guide is on there but um yeah also just trying to talk about like mental health for dads and all that which is something i'm very much working through and probably right in the depths of but yeah if anyone has any fertility issues or anything like that they could find me on there as well and yeah hopefully it helps some people out there wonderful thank you so much no worries Thank you so much for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. Like Logan mentioned, if you want to find out more about him or you want to reach out and ask any questions, you can find him over on Instagram at underscore Kiwi Dad. You can also reach out to me on Instagram, I'm at That's So Chronic, or for a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what goes on in my life and what goes on to make this podcast, you can find me on TikTok. Same handle, keeping it nice and easy. <laughs> if you would like to share your story on That's So Chronic, I would love love to chat more. You can find links to the Google form as well as links to everything we talked about in today's episode in the show notes. Don't forget to press follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening in from if you're new around here. That really helps that so chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly hope. I'll see you next week.